Welcome to the Ferris Love Shrine podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. In this episode, we're talking with Jordan Langdon, wife, mom, licensed clinical social worker, and parent coach with Families of Character. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you, Katie. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited. So today we're discussing with you kind of how to stop doing it all and going from a team of one to a team of where everybody is pitching in and helping out. And we asked you to talk about this because this is kind of your story. So maybe set the stage for us and tell us a little bit about that. Katie, it is my story. And I think it's the story of most parents, to be honest with you. Um, Really, I'll just dive right in. You know, when my husband and I got married 18 years ago, we were like each other's best friends. We were dating each other and having fun in married life and kind of talking about what our dreams were for our children in the future. And it was awesome. And then we had our first baby. And I just like jumped in taking care of this baby and really, you know, giving it my all as a mom to give this baby everything he needed to be kind of happy, healthy and successful. So um, I really took a lot of pride in kind of doing it all. Okay, so. And I think most Mm -hmm. moms are like that. By nature, we are nurturers. And so it made sense to just kind of start providing for him. And he was dependent on me, right? Like they need us. Mm -hmm. Um, So then what happens? We have another child, you know, and then I'm kind of feeling more exhausted because now I'm taking care of two kids and I'm working. My husband's working. um, I'm feeling exhausted kind of having no energy for my spouse after about 3 p.m. It was just like, ah. And and so the distance between us started kind of growing right there. Well, Mm -hmm. then we had a third child and we adopted a dog too. So at this point, my husband would say he was like fifth in line behind three kids and a dog. The sparks kind of had started fading and everyone was kind of doing their own thing. And I kept telling him, I've got this, like, this is, you know, this is what moms do. And so um, he really was stepping out of my way. I think like most dads do too and saying, okay, she's got this. This is what she wants. She wants to be a mom. And like, this is good. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a couple years and our youngest is four years old and getting her out of the bath and we're visiting and she's drying off. And she says, um, mom, I don't think dad wants to live here. And I was just like, Oh, I'm sorry. Could you say that again? I was sure Uh I'd heard her wrong. Right. It was shocking. And, and she said, no, I mean, I don't think he wants to move, but I don't think he just really wants to live here. Oh my goodness. So I, I finished getting her ready for bed. We tucked her in. And then I thought, well, let me run this by my husband. Like, surely he's not going to agree with this. This is hilarious. Like, how did she come up with something like this? So I ask him, I, I tell him what our daughter said. And he says, wow, well, she's actually not that far off. And I was just like, oh, wait, what? he said, well, you don't have a lot of time or energy for me. You know, I'm kind of fifth in line behind the kids and the dog. Um, You're not very fun to be around. When you come home from the office, the kids are kind of like scattering like cockroaches because you're kind of barking commands at them. But 
he said, the funny thing is you're the things that you're kind of barking at them to do. You've never actually taught them how to do. You've always done it for them. Oh my goodness. And I was just, it was hitting me all at once. And so he said, you know, I'm not planning on leaving or anything like that. I've never said anything like that to the kids, but it's just not a lot of fun around here. Mm -hmm. So that night I could not sleep. I mean, I just got that download of all the things that I had been doing and, and kind of building up over the years. And I just went, you know what? I could like go in the closet, quietly pack a bag and escape to Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's Mm. like my happy place. (laughs) And then I thought, or I could lean into this pain as, Mm -hmm. as bad as it feels right now. Sure. Like do something different about this. And so that's when I just went, okay, like, let me have it. How did we get this way? How do I start, you know, getting people to pitch in and help out? I'm exhausted. And and this is what I call responsibility burnout. Sure. So that was the point at which I decided, you know, I can't. I think actually, you know, Katie, I was so tired, like sure, physically tired. I wasn't mad and like resentful at anyone. Mm-hmm. I was just sad. I was like, Wow. This is not at all how I dreamed for mm-hmm. my family to be, but yet I'm right. here. Right. I find this so interesting too, because it's true that kids pick up on a lot of these things that you don't like that. I think this is the case. We've talked about this in other episodes too, with other guests that like, you know, if there's tension in the marriage, the kids pick up on it. If there's, you know, chaos in the house, the kids pick up on it. And like, here's your four-year-old who's picking up on the fact that like things aren't Right. Like there's something that needs to be fixed here. And and thank God she <laughs> said something. So you could, you know, have this kind of revelation and go from there. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of when I just my I think the the veil had been lifted. And so then I was once I was aware of the state of my marriage and family life, then I was kind of open to seeing how mm-hmm. do other people do this? How can sure. I come back from this? How can I start shifting some of this responsibility that I've taken on all myself to other people in the family? And so that's when I actually became aware of families of character. And they're kind of three-step process for unifying the family and getting everybody on board to share the responsibilities of family life and do it in a joyful way where everyone felt like a unified, solid team. So we just kind of started with the basics there. Okay. And so what what was that? Like, how did you get started? Because I'm sure a lot of moms and dads are listening to this right now and being like, oh gosh, we, we need to start. But where do we begin? Yes. We just simply started having a family huddle on Sunday nights. Sunday was a night that we were all going to be home for sure in the same you know space. And so Sunday nights, we just decided at 630 we would get together in the living room and first just start talking about our calendar. And this is something I'm really passionate about. And at first people are like, what is your deal with the family calendar? Like, why mm-hmm. are you so passionate about this? Mm-hmm. And this is why as both a mom that shouldered the responsibility of the crazy chaos of the family calendar and as a counselor, like, mm-hmm. it's so important for everyone in the family to see what's happening on a daily, 
weekly and a monthly basis. Because if you think about it, kids never look at the family calendar, rarely, unless you have a big whiteboard Mm -hmm. displayed in your kitchen. But most of us have a digital camera or digital calendar Mm -hmm. on our phone. And we're only the only ones privy to that information. So we just shared our Google calendar up on the TV, just cast it up there and then went day by day and listed off each activity and so that everyone could see what was happening. Mm -hmm. And what started happening week after week was the kids would start chiming in and saying, oh, gymnastics is tomorrow. I can get my gym bag ready and I'm going to need my water bottle. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need my leotard. And so they were able to start contributing to things that should have been their responsibility for a while, but I had taken on. So Mm -hmm. over time, just this simple review of the calendar one week at a time started engaging everyone in a really benign way. Like just talking about the calendar. Mm -hmm. I love that. I bet you too, it also helps even just the siblings engage more with each other's lives as well. Like, oh, you have gymnastics. Like then they probably remember that and can bring it up at the dinner table the next night or whatever. Like that it's a really great, simple way to kind of do that for family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and so we just started with that. And then once we got in a habit of doing this and we just we put the family huddle on our family calendar so that it wouldn't get overscheduled. Mm-hmm. And once we got in the habit of doing that a couple of weeks, probably two to four weeks, then we started adding in like a family focus. So it was okay. Every family has kind of a big problem area, right? It might be a lack of respect. People are talking, you know, rudely to each other or eye rolling or whatever, or um, they're just messy and disorganized and late all the time. And so we started focusing on kind of a character strength that was an antidote to that problem. And so a really easy one for families to start with is organization because everybody could use a little bit more of that in some way. So then we would just kind of launch that out in our family huddle and say, okay, we're going to work on organization for the month and like go around the room and talk about, you know, what it is that each person could kind of focus on Mm -hmm. and do this in a positive way. Like we're a team, we're all going to pitch in and do this together. Mm -hmm. And then we would identify one thing that we really wanted to work on, on a daily basis that we could sort of track because it Mm -hmm. makes sense to to track these things, you know, to see your progress. And the kids were just loving it. Like they had a little chart of the one thing they were going to do. They put an X by it, if they did it or not. And then we circle back at the the next family huddle and reward everybody. So it Mm. might be ice cream or Mm -hmm. trip to the zoo that we were going to do anyway, but we can say this as a family reward, right? Look guys. And we just got in the habit of doing that and, and committed to keeping Mm -hmm. that um, huddle going. And it just was transformative Mm -hmm. like right away. So interesting. I feel like too, the the way you do it this way, where it's kind of like a family decision on what you're going to work on, like it gives the kids a little bit more autonomy too in this so that it's not you and your husband telling them like, you must be organized. Why aren't you cleaning your room? Like this kind of thing, but more like, okay, this is what we're working on as a family. How are you going to contribute? What are you going to do? And like doing it a little bit more that way, which I think, you know, probably helps the kids grow in freedom and autonomy and a lot of those really good traits. Exactly. You've got it exactly right. And like, 
I feel like we went from being kind of critical parents that were kind of authoritative to these like coaching parents who were alongside, like, listen, we're, we're working on making our beds every day too. And getting on Mm -hmm. up on time when our alarm goes off, like this isn't a, this is what you guys are going to do. And we've got it all figured out. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The opposite. It's like, Hey, we all need to grow in character and develop these great traits. So let's just Mm -hmm. do it as a team and make it fun, like a challenge. Sure. That makes total sense. I love that. So is there, what did you do after that? So you, you know, you you have the family huddle, you guys are really into it. You're picking a a core kind of character thing you're going to work on. Is there, what's the next step for this? You know, that's it. That's like, that's that's like the full three-step process. You know, you just, you have a monthly theme, uh, a weekly huddle, and then your daily kind of marching orders is what I call it. You know, like everybody knows what it is that they're working on. And the great thing about character development in in our kids is that you've never arrived. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we've got that figured out. And so we're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, this is a lifelong journey. So it's more of a lifestyle change Mm -hmm. than kind of a what's next Mm -hmm. type thing. I love that. So kind of paint the picture for us. What does life look like now? And how is that different than the way life looked before when you were trying to do it all yourself? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, my husband and I have regular date night. That's great. So we're back to being connected again. And like I see him. I joke that before it was like he was off in the distance and there was this thick fog and I couldn't Mm. really see him or Mm -hmm. I didn't have the energy to reach his, you know, him and and figure out what his needs were. And now it's like we're having that regular conversation inside the family huddle and then connecting as a couple. Um, And then our kids, just the the level of confidence and courage that has um, increased in them because they are now doing things for themselves and very responsible. They're now doing, I have um, a 16 year old, a 10 year old and an eight year old. And so they all know and don't need the the daily checklists anymore because they're in the habit of doing their non-negotiables in the morning. So getting up, making their beds, eating breakfast, cleaning up after themselves, brushing Mm -hmm. their teeth, you know, getting their rooms tidied up. So it's, it's developing those habits where they feel like they have that mastery over themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's been a big game changer. And so what that means for my husband and I is like peace back in the home. I'm not nagging him or them to do things. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, family meals are awesome because we all pitch in to kind of make them, you know, two or three times a week, we'll all help cut things up and throw things on the grill. And then after it's all done, people are pitching in to, to help out to clean up. Sure. You know, we've even developed a family mission statement. And and one of the pieces of the mission statement about organization is that we will maintain an orderly home so that we can serve anyone who comes to visit us. Because one of our goals as a family was to be prepared in the best way to serve anybody that shows up, our neighbor or somebody we haven't seen in a long time. And like, we don't want to be, you know, frustrated with each other or scrambling at the last minute or not being mm-hmm. emotionally available to our guests. Sure. So that has been huge, mm-hmm. you know, just keeping the house orderly and neat because we all have that common goal. Sure. I love that. Um, I'm curious, like just maybe even from your professional standpoint and that kind of thing, or even your work with families of character, like why do you think it is that parents and and often moms specifically kind of 
do try to do it all. They think they've got to be doing all the things for the whole family. Like, why is that? Yeah, great question. Um, First of all, I would say that by our nature, we were made to selflessly love, right? So just what you talk about on your podcast, that fairest love, that self-sacrifice. I die to myself to serve Mm -hmm. my family. And as women, that's what we were made to do. And so it's a very natural thing to do when you have Mm -hmm. children. And it's it's so hard. There's so much tension between, but my spouse, he came first and like, I really want to, you know, stay connected with him, Mm -hmm. but these babies are so dependent and I can't just leave them. And so it's that tension for moms, you know? And so I think also the more children you have, the more you feel like, okay, if I just do it myself, it'll be faster and easier. And then I can move on to the other things. Yeah. And that you, I totally see because it's true. Like you're like, well, I could teach them how to do the dishes, but it will take me half the time. So I'm just going to do it. But then every day you're the one doing it because they never learned how to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So our intentions are so awesome. You know, they're they're very pure. We're trying to love them. But I think the way I explain it for myself is just like, I, I feel like I loved them so much and so long by doing for them that I like love them off the team. I give this, mm-hmm. this analogy of, I just had this vision one day of how my family was when my daughter said that, you know, dad doesn't want to live here anymore. I thought, oh my goodness, I have this team of people with me under this roof and it's like I've benched them all. I put them on the bench on the sidelines and I've got the ball and I'm running down the field to the end zone. And I'm looking back and I'm like, where is everyone? But yeah. I did that to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unknowingly, know? but you did. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Exactly. I think too, not helping your children learn these skills kind of does them a disservice for later in life. Like if they don't know how to scramble eggs or, or clean their dishes or make their bed or do their laundry, like that's going to be really rough when you're an adult and suddenly you're like, shoot, how do I do laundry? What? Do, how do I fold clothes? They're going to end up with a lot of pink clothing and you know, things exactly. like that. You're the very... red with the white. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I actually had a, a client one time and she said, I need you to visit my daughter. She's in the psychiatric unit and she has said that she's feeling suicidal. And so she's under this watch. And so I went and I visited with the girl and she said, you know, my parents never trusted me enough to give me chores. They always focused on my grades. They thought, you know, if I could just have the freedom to to do school and to do it well and get all A's, that that was the main priority. And all of my friends, she was a senior in high school. She said, all of my friends had chores growing up and I never did. And I'm so angry because now I don't even know what it takes to go to college and be out on my own. And that's worse than if I would have gotten a B or a C in school. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah. You know, Um, that's, that's perfect segue to my next question. And like, what do you think are kind of some age appropriate tasks for children? Because obviously like your four-year-old's not going to be doing the dishes. So like what, like, how did you do that? for your kids and kind of navigate that? And what do you think would be good for others? Absolutely. I always start with making the bed. There's a whole book about making your bed um, and the benefits of it because it's the first choice you have when you wake up in the morning to deny yourself of something that you um, that would bring you pleasure or you would rather do. 
it's that first selfless act that you could say yes to. That is just a game changer for kids and adults, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even the little ones, just pulling up the sheets and putting their stuffed animals on them or whatever, making that nice. That's a big one. Um, also, I think just helping to set the table for dinner. Mm-hmm. Little mm-hmm. ones can do that. Um you know, clearing the table after dinner or breakfast is great. I loved having my toddler uh, fold the washcloths. She just took some joy in that. Like, wow, I can do this. You know, I feel like I'm kitchen in. Mm -hmm. Another thing I encourage parents to do is to um, have your kids even draw a picture of a little t-shirt or a pair of shorts or a pair of pants on a sticky note and put it on the drawer that they go in. And then when you fold, if you fold the clothes for them, then they can sort them and put them away where they belong. So, you know, another way that they can kind of take ownership for some things. And then it just really spirals from then. I mean, once you start giving them some responsibilities and and then rewarding them for that, they're asking for more and more. And so then you can just add things in as, as needed. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, And what about tips for getting your spouse to help more? Because I would imagine there are some women who are like, yeah, great. Like I can get my, you know, I can get my nine-year-old to fold some laundry, but having my husband iron his shirts is never going to happen. Like, so how do we, you know, or vice versa, whatever. Right. So how do we help our spouses? Yes. Great question. And it's very important. There's kind of this dance and I call it the the art of the invitation. Hmm. So kind of inviting them into um, the experience. So mm-hmm. I will say that when I brought up having a family huddle, my fa- mm-hmm. my husband was like, what? Another meeting? Like I already have meetings all day at my sure. job. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to have another one at home. And I said, I know this, it's crazy, but just join me in this, you know, mm-hmm. just join me in this. And I kind of led the family huddle. So um, I allowed him to just kind of passively participate at the beginning. And I think that was the way that really got him to continue on. I wasn't nagging him or telling him how much more I was doing around the house than he was. Although mm-hmm. there were many of those discussions I'm in sure. previous years, <laughs> be real, mm-hmm. um, but just inviting them in. And so another thing that I think helps spouses um, is just what helps all of us is positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So if you sure. catch him pitching in any little bit you know, praise him for that. Thank you so much. That was mm-hmm. so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one time my husband came home from work and set his stuff down and he, I was in the kitchen getting dinner ready and he just said, Hey, what can I do to help? Mm. And my jaw just dropped. I was like, <laughs> did you just say that? Oh my gosh. And I, I said, just why don't you go change out of your work clothes? And then I'll probably think of something. Mm-hmm. Well, it turned out I didn't even need him to do anything that particular moment. But mm-hmm. the fact that he offered just took all this tension away from me. Right. And I felt like I had a teammate, mm-hmm. you know? So I said, man, that is like the number one phrase that does it for me is right. how can I help? Mm-hmm. You know? I, that's great. And I think it's good that you were also like, give me a second and I'll, and I'll give you something. Because I think often we can... We can be tempted to be like, no, 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 I got it. 
Like I got it. I, I can handle it and not give them something. And then they probably start asking less too. Totally. <laughs> like, oh, they right. do. We condition them to mm-hmm. not ask anymore because we tell them we've got it. And then we become resentful. Like right. that's when the cupboard door slams just a little bit harder and the, mm-hmm. you know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I'm curious, like you started this later on because you didn't even realize it until, you know, your youngest was four. But for, let's say we've got some young parents or new parents, like when, when do you start the family huddle? When you've got a two-year-old? Like how do you navigate this? I think when you're very, very early as parents. Yes. The earlier you can start, the better. And it's awesome to start when your kids are two. I just got off a Zoom call with one of our customers who implements this and she has a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And, you know, a majority of the huddle is about she and her husband communicating the family calendar and then talking about kind of what's going on in the family in terms of like, what's the pain point right now this week Mm -hmm. with our family. And she said, mentioned, you know, our daughter is really her biggest burden is that I'm asking her to put her shoes on by herself. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so little kids, little problems. But one of the things she said, Katie, that was so helpful is she said, Jordan, Doing this right now, even though we aren't working on big things, it's putting your own shoes on. The fact that we're huddling up and they can count on that every week, they actually do a little mini huddle every morning. It's like two to three minutes. She said, what we're, our intention is that we're creating a space for them that is safe, that they know they can come to us when they get older and there's bigger problems. And I said, oh, that's your ticket right there. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah, that's so helpful because if they're they're very used to that, they know like they have a space, and that that will be accepted and listened to, and they'll be heard. So yeah, amazing. Um, so before I let you go, tell us a little bit about families of character, what you guys do, and maybe how you could help some of our listeners. Absolutely. So families of character, we are really a community of like-minded parents that really are not willing to kind of settle for the status status quo or um, allow the culture to tell our kids what is good and right. So we're, we're a community of parents that are banding together to intentionally work on developing character in our kids. And so we've got uh, great products that help parents in that family huddle. If you don't want to kind of Pinterest things and put together your own theme of the month for uh, developing in character, like generosity, organization, um, respect, responsibility, we've got subscription kits. So it's a year's worth of content for your family huddle. It's dirt cheap at like 199 bucks for the entire year. I love it. And um, they show up at your doorstep every other month. You know, so we've got that kind of a, this, this full blown kind of jump into the character development phase, or we even have like simple solutions that parents can download straight from our website that really help them with things like a screen time checklist. Mm. Kids are on screens, especially in the summertime. And so having a checklist of things they need to get done before they earn screen time, those simple solutions have been um, really helpful for parents as a added tool. That's great. So, but most of all, I mean, we're, we have a great thriving uh, private group on Facebook. It's called the Thrive Community by Families of Character. And we invite everybody to just jump in there and see what we're talking about and chime in and share their successes and their wins. And so, you know, on all the socials, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Instagram, 
Um, we are, we launched our own podcast, the Families of Character Show, on Tuesday. So we're out there. We want you to visit us, familiesofcharacter.com. You can check out more. Great. Awesome. I will link to that in the show notes as well so that you can easily find them. Um, and Jordan, thank you so much for this conversation. It was great. And hopefully people are going to get a lot out of this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Katie. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org and follow us on social media and share the podcast with some friends.